Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Well, guess what? It's going to get a whole lot better because we're going to have a great time this morning. All right? If you haven't seen this movie, nothing hurts me more than spoiling the whole thing for you today. But that's what I'm going to do. And then you can go home and watch it all from start to, be, start to end later. But if you can't tell just by looking at me, we're going back to 1962 in the San Fernando Valley where nine kids are looking forward to having the best summer of their lives playing baseball every single day. <laughs> that is until they find themselves in the biggest pickle they've ever been in in their lives. So, so the story's going to start with a, with a kid named Scott Smalls. Everyone here knows him as Smalls, but his name is Scott Smalls. And he's a smart kid who likes to fiddle with gadgets, and he's kind of a nerd. And he just moved into town with his mom and his stepdad. And so in an attempt to make friends, Scott Smalls finds his way to the local baseball field with hopes to filling the role of the ninth man on this local team, Okay resulting in an experience that neither Scott or anybody else saw coming that summer. This is The Sandlot. Let's play that first scene. All right, has anybody else watched that and just want to cry instantly? I wanted to cry instantly when I watched that scene for like the fifth time in the last week. It, doesn't, it never gets old. That scene is the best part of the movie. And I love what happens in this scene is when Benny says to Smalls, he's like, just stick your glove in the air and I'll take care of it. What's crazy about that is Benny had the skill to literally hit the ball from home plate into left center field right into that kid's glove. No other, I mean, Benny's just the coolest guy ever. He's the coolest guy in cinematic history. You can't change my mind. And let me just tell you this, ben, that kid that played Benny never played in another movie in his entire life. He literally played that one role and now he's like some firefighter or something. But if there's anybody who was born to play a role, it was Benny the Jet Rodriguez, okay? And so I love what Benny says to Smalls in this scene. He says, just. Stick your glove in the air, and I'll take care of it. And so when I was thinking about how am I going to parallel this movie with some Bible stuff, huh? When am I going to parallel this movie? When am I, how am I going to bring God into the sandlot, okay? And so I started thinking, and I came across the story of Moses. Everybody here knows who Moses is? We all know who Moses is. We all went to Sunday school, and if you didn't, well, you still know who Moses is. But Moses was God's chosen man to lead, to lead Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. Okay, Moses was God's chosen dude. But before Moses split the Red Sea, before Moses did all the miracles that we read about and that we've seen a movie about, before, we, before any of that happened, Moses was just a normal person living his life, just like you and me, but God had a calling on his life. God had a calling on his life. No, Moses was just a normal dude who had a calling on his life by God. And he responds to that calling like a lot of us do. When God calls you to something, man, God, I, I think you got the wrong dude. I think you got the wrong guy for the job. I don't have the skills to do that thing. I don't have the qualifications. I don't have the, I, I'm, not, I'm not the right guy. I'm not, I'm not qualified for this. And God says to Moses in Exodus 3, 9 through 11, now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Just like a lot of us, Moses sees the big plans that God has for his life and the crazy ways that he wants to use him. And he responds by shrinking himself down, limiting himself, doubting himself. He tries to give reasons as to, as to why he's not qualified to be used by God in such an amazing way. And in Exodus, Exodus chapter 4, Moses actually tells God, I'm slow in speech and I'm slow in tongue. 
hinting to the fact that Moses had a speech impediment. He stuttered. He didn't get his words out correctly all the time. And I love this parallel with, with Smalls in the film because as Smalls was making excuses for being unable to play the game of baseball, being unable to throw, being unable to catch, he didn't have the, he, dis, he tries to disqualify himself from being a, being a part of this team. Benny assures him that if he just stops thinking so much and puts his glove in the air, that he'll take care of it, okay? Now, this part's awesome, all right? I, I, when, I, when I read this, I was like, yep, this is what I'm talking about today. In Exodus chapter 4, God says to Moses in verse 2 through 5, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned into a staff in his hands. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. What is God saying to Moses right now? Just throw your staff on the ground, and I'll take care of it. You, may, you don't have all the quali qualifications. You don't have all the skills, but guess what? If you just take a step of faith, if you just take that staff in your hand and throw it on the ground, it doesn't matter what you say, I'm gonna speak for you. People will see what I can do and they'll understand what I've called you to do. Just throw your staff on the ground and God will take care of it. Don't be afraid, just trust God. Tr take that one step, have a little bit of faith and God will take care of it. And you see, what's gonna happen is when a lot of us make a decision to do that thing, when a lot of us make a decision to take that step of faith and say, you know what, God, I'm gonna trust you, there's gonna be something that I like to call an opposing force that's gonna come your way. Because this opposing force, it doesn't want you to do what God's called you to do. It doesn't want you to realize, man, you don't really have to be qualified, you just need to be in relationship with God. This opposing force realizes that when you take that step of faith, you become a serious threat to what he wants to do. Let's play that next scene. The beast. All right. So now here we are in our story. Just as Smalls has finally realized, man, I, I, I play a role in what these guys are doing. I'm, I've, you know, he's found some friends. He's in some community. He's finally found something to keep him occupied for his summer. And just as he's found himself right where he wants to be, he comes to the realization that just behind him, just beyond that fence line, there's something that wants to take away everything that he's learned to love. There's something that wants to take away everything that he's found in his heart that he wants to do. And I want to tell you guys today, there, there is an opposing force that has the ability to stop them from doing what they want to do. There's an opposing force that wants to stop everything that God wants to do in your life. Anytime that you take steps towards your calling and towards being used by God, you have to learn to expect opposition. You have to learn to expect retaliation. Moses knew that what he was going up against was a strong opposing force in Egypt and Pharaoh. He knew that God, what God wanted him to do, it was not going to be an easy task. He's going up against the strongest force in the world at this time. And Pharaoh, he ain't an easy dude. He's tough. He's aggressive. He doesn't like Moses, okay? And in Exodus 5, through 23, it says this. Moses went back to the Lord and protested, why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people, and you have done nothing to rescue them. How many times do we find ourselves experiencing the same stuff over and over again in the same situations, walking through the same season, and we find ourselves asking God, God, how much longer do I have to go through this? 
How much longer do I have to put up with this? It's not getting any easier. I'm not seeing any result. I can't see what's supposed to happen. God, where, when are you just gonna do it? And I wanna tell you guys this today. I wanna ask you this. How can we learn to rely on God if we're not facing anything that requires us to rely on God? How can we learn to rely on God if we're not facing those things that require us to rely on God? Relying on God is recognizing that where I'm unable, where I'm not competent, he is able. Where I'm weak, he is strong. When I don't see a way, he is the way. And in 2 Corinthians 12, it says this. Paul, uh, God says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. God is perfect in every way, giving him the power to make up for any weaknesses that you and I may have. So when, just when you think, man, I'm not qualified for this. Man, I'm not good enough for this. Man, I've made some serious mistakes. How can God use me to do this? In every area where you're weak, in every area where you failed, God's perfection makes you worth it, makes you able to complete that task he's calling you to do. And having to go head to head against hard things allows God to truly show us his power in our lives. The truth of that though, is a lot of us, guess what? You're gonna go face to face with that hard thing no matter what. Whether you like it or not, whether you don't see it coming, at some point in your life, you're gonna come face to face with those hard things. And the truth is that when we come face to face with those hard things, the natural tendency for us is to just be like, nah, I'm good. Now nah, I'm good, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay right here where I'm comfortable, just like our kids. When that ball goes over that fence, they realize, I'm good. I'm gonna stay right here, we'll play another time, I'm done for the day. And a lot of times, that's how we like to react. We see the opposing force and it's like, nah, I'm good, I'm gonna stay right here where I'm comfortable, I'm gonna stay right here where I'm happy, I'm gonna stay right here where I'm good. In Exodus 6.1, the Lord tells Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave this land. God's telling Moses that if he just trusts him and if he relies on him, that the opposing force that he's facing will not just bend to him, but it'll beg him for mercy. You know how you get rid of hard things in your life? You chip away at them. A little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, because it doesn't take much when you have God on your side. Don't be afraid to face your opposition. Your opposition is just another opportunity for God to show you how powerful he is in your life. And God wants to tell some people today, watch how easy I can get rid of the hard things of your life when you just chip away at them. And so what's God telling Moses? He's saying, if you just keep chipping away at Pharaoh, he's not just gonna wanna send those people out, he's gonna beg you for mercy. Because if we keep chipping at the hard things in our life, eventually it's gonna beg you for mercy. Eventually it's gonna break apart. Don't be afraid to face your opposition. It doesn't matter how many times we try to avoid the beast. It doesn't matter how many times we try to avoid the opposition. We are all bound to come face to face with it at one point in our lives. And my question for you today is, will you face it alone or will you face it with God? Let's play that next scene. Okay. So, prior to this failure, okay, these kids just witnessed probably the most amazing thing they've ever seen playing baseball, okay? And the reason why Smalls had to run home and snag that ball was because they just saw Benny hit a ball so hard that it actually ripped the cover off of the ball. And so they're looking at this ball and they're hunched over and they're like, well, we're done for the day, but that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. 
And then that's when Small's like, well, I got a ball at home, but that ball just happens to be signed by Babe Ruth. And so Smalls runs home, grabs the ball, hits it over the fence, and you see, man, he's so stoked rounding those bases. He hit his first home run, but as he's coming around second base, he begins to realize, oh man, I just made a serious mistake. He just gave up the most valuable thing in his home. And so I want you to think about this with me for a second. Moses is, going, is, is called by God to go up in the mountain, right? So he goes up into the mountain. This is the moment where God's gonna give Moses the Ten Commandments. And up leading up to this point, these Israelites have seen so many miracles that you would think there's no way that these people could turn from God after everything that they've seen. After every miracle that they've witnessed, they saw the Red Sea split in half. They saw water flow from the outside of a rock. They saw manna, food fall from heaven to provide for them. There's no way that nothing, nothing could stop them from believing that God was taking care of them. Just what you would think. But when Moses goes up to the mountain and he's with God, the first thing that these Israelites do is they freak out because now God's not gonna, they got, Moses isn't there to, to direct them. And so what do they do? They find a way to make a God of their own and they take their gold and they melt it down and they begin to worship this golden calf, sacrificing everything, forgetting about everything that God's done for them. They, they just had to try and do something themselves, okay? This is what's happening right now. And in, in Exodus 32, seven through eight, it says, the Lord told Moses, quick, go down to the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves how quickly they've turned away from the way I commanded them to live they have melted down gold and made a calf and they bowed down and sacrificed to it they're saying these are your gods O Israel who brought you out of the land of Egypt the Israelites were so quick to sacrifice everything that the Lord had promised them they've seen miracle after miracle performed by Moses they've literally literally miraculously defied all the odds against them they should all be dead they should all be dead and as Moses was up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments, the Israelites are actively breaking them as, as they are being written. How many times have you turned your back on God after everything he's done for you in your life? How many times have you sacrificed God's promise for your life because you wanted to try and do something on your own? How many times have you sacrificed God's promise because you're just a little bit unsatisfied about how they're coming out? You're a little bit unsatisfied with the process. If we could keep our focus on God, I want to tell you right now, whatever God's already done, all the miracles he's already performed in your life, he could do it again for you. He could do it again for you. You can do it again for somebody else. And so now here we are. These kids just hit a ball, and where is it? It's in the opposition's territory. And now they have to make a decision on whether or not they can just leave it there or if they're going to go back over there and take it. And this is, this is the moment that we see our characters have to, have to come to the realization that if they want their promise, if they want what belongs to them, then they're going to have to come face to face with the opposition. So that's what happens right here in this next scene. Go ahead. All right. So in an attempt, their first attempt to try and retrieve this valuable baseball signed by Babe Ruth, these characters realize that this is going to be a lot more difficult than they thought. They realize that what they're up against is a lot bigger than what they were expecting. And in Numbers 13, we, we hear about Moses and the Israelites coming up on a land. And what Moses does is he takes 12 spies and he sends them out to the land. And he wants a report on if this is the land that God had promised them. And so in Numbers 13, 18 through 20, it says this. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. 
See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring samples back of the crops that you see. And when they returned back to Moses, the land was exactly how God spoke to them that it would be. It was the land flowing with milk and honey. It consisted of everything that God told them it would. But to their surprise, there were already people living there. And that struck fear into the Israelites. For some reason, they were surprised that taking the land wasn't going to be any easier. For some reason, they were expecting, after everything God's done, all the hard things he's accomplished, they were expecting to just walk into the Disneyland at that point. They were thinking this was going to be a really easy process. But how can we rely on God if we don't face anything that requires us to rely on God? Numbers 13.32 says this, So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. This land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw there were huge, and we even saw giants, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. And so here we are. Because there's people inhabiting this land, because they're too afraid to take it and too afraid to do what God's telling them to do, they begin to spread rumors about the land, saying, it's no good. This is a place where people go to die. They will be crushed by the people living there. They begin to spread these rumors against, uh, above, to all the Israelites to try and convince them, like, no, this isn't the land. We, actually, we need to go somewhere else. We need to go find something else because we're, it's, it's too dangerous for us to go just and take it. But there were two people, a part of the, the group of spies, there were two men, Joshua and Caleb, who knew, said, you know what? God told us that that's our land. Nothing's going to stop us from taking it. We can go over there and take it. God's told us it's ours, so let's go over there and get it. And so we find our characters in the movie in the same headspace as the spies who returned from the promised land. They, they're looking at this situation and they're like, I don't know, man. I don't think we can take on that beast. I don't think we can, I don't think we can get that ball back. There's too many things going against us. They, they don't see this working out in their favor. They don't see the promise. That is until their leader experiences something that will change everything about the way they think about their situations. Let's play that next scene. Sonic. Benny just had an encounter with God, okay? <laughs> Benny just had an encounter with God. All right, so what, what, I wanna, what I wanna talk about here is when the Israelite spies came back from the land, there were two men, Joshua and Caleb, who they knew, like, man, you know, God told us that that's ours, so let's just go over there and get it. While everyone else, while all the other Israelites were making excuses, they were afraid. And just like Babe Ruth says, a lot of people don't like taking their big chance because they're too afraid. Because they convince themselves that they're not good enough. Because they convince themselves that they won't be able to do it. But you know what? You know what God's telling you to do? Just hop over there and get it. Hop over there and get it. That promise, that thing that belongs to you, that God has promised you, that he's called you to, just hop over there and get it. There's nothing that's gonna get in your way. Whatever's there, it has to bend to you. Just like Pharaoh and the Egyptians had to bend to Moses when he said, let my people go, if you keep chipping away at the hard things, eventually they're gonna fall apart. Eventually you're gonna fall apart. And in Numbers 14, six through nine, Joshua and Caleb say this, two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua and Caleb, tore their clothing, they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And the Lord, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into it safely. If the Lord is pleased with us, he'll bring it into it safely. It is rich and flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. These two guys knew that 
what God had already said was going to come to pass if they just obeyed him. If they just lived a life to please God, all the promises that he had for them were gonna come to pass. And it doesn't matter how big and strong the opposing forces are in your life. It doesn't matter how many how many people they have in that force. It doesn't matter what kind of weapons they're wielding. You've got God on your side going with you to fight those people, to fight those things. And God's placed a calling on your life. God has a promise on your life. And it's, it's greater than anything that you could have thought up yourself. A lot of us like to spend so much time planning our own courses, directing our own steps, making our own plans for ourselves, not realizing that if we just obey the plans that God has for our lives, if we just take steps of faith in the plans that God has, it's greater than anything else you could think up yourself. No matter what lies ahead of you, no matter what is in front of you right now, nothing can stop you from receiving the promise that God has on your life if you're willing to just hop over there and get it. Just hop over there and get it. Jeremiah 29 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. If God said he will do these things in your life, if you're faithful, he will do them. His word will never fail you. His word never returns void. His grace is not without effect on your life. His plans for your life will come to pass. So today I think, this is just what I think. I think it's time we come face to face with whatever the opposition is in our life and look at and whatever's standing in front of your promise, whatever's standing in front of what God wants to give you, it's time to look at that opposing force directly in the face and, and, and look at that promise and just take it. It's time to just take it. It's gonna, look it, look it. What's gonna happen? Your promise, God, God has plans for every single person's life in here. But what's gonna happen is there's, there's that, that opposing force doesn't want you to have those promise. He doesn't want you to have those things. He wants to keep you from getting them. So what's he gonna do? He's gonna stand in your way. And what do we have to do? We have to look at our promise and remember, if God said that's for me, it's mine. And we just have to look at it and take it. Let's play that last scene. Thought, you thought. All right, I call this scene, I just wanna call it this, take your promise. Can you say that? Everyone say that, take your promise. Speaking up and knowing in their hearts that the land was already theirs, Joshua and Caleb were used by God to bring the Israelites into the promised land. God used two men who had just a little bit of faith to take those people into the promised land. You may feel like it's not in the cards for you. You may feel like you don't have all the skills or the qualifications, but God doesn't need big people to make big changes. He just needs someone who's got a little bit of faith. And so I look at that scene, right? I look at that scene, and I'm seeing, you see the, all the kids from the sandlot just like mouths wide open, like watching Benny pickle this beast. And I feel like that's how all the Israelites were looking when they saw just two people, Joshua and Caleb, running towards the opposition and taking the promise that God had called for them. God doesn't need big people to make big change. And so if you need a little reminder of why it doesn't take someone who's got all the skills and all the qualifications, all the pastors and all the leaders to make a difference in this world. It takes someone who's got a little bit of faith. I wanna remind you that there was a little boy who had a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish, but his lunch fed 5,000 people. There was a widow who only had a little bit of oil and flour, but it fed her family throughout a famine. David had a small stone, but he defeated a giant. And Moses had nothing but a stick and he led a whole nation to freedom. Just imagine what God will use you to do when you have just a little bit of faith. Little is much, little is much when God is in it. Even though the opposition is large, our God is larger and he wants to use you to show that. He wants to use you to show that. When you take, when you make a decision 
to do what God's called you to do, to live the life God's called you to do, when you get to that promise, you begin to realize, man, God had so much stored up for me. So much stored up for me. And that's, what's, that's what you're gonna see in this last scene. Go ahead and play it. Those guys went over there to retrieve one ball back. And when they got over there, they were able to play forever. They had an unlimited amount of baseballs. And so I want you to, what I want you to see in this, in this moment is when you guys just obey God and when you go and face that opposition, first of all, if you do it with God, you're gonna overcome it. Second of all, you're gonna realize that he had so much stored up for you when you got there more than you could have ever realized. And that's what happened here. They realized, man, this whole time we could have gone over here. This whole time we could have, we could have never had to worry about playing this game again. And God, we would have had a, there would have been a way made for them, which is just what happens here. The boys went over for one ball, but when they get over there, they receive more than they could have ever imagined. And so what I want to talk about today, this, this, this message, the story of Moses, the story of the Sandlot, all, all the Sandlot is a story of being set free from your own fear, okay? And that's what these kids are, are doing. They, they overcome this fear that they have and they're set free from it and they get to play baseball for as long as they want. But the story of Moses is also a freedom story. It's a, it's a story about being set free. God, God heard the cries of the Israelites in Egypt who were slaves to, they were slaves to Egypt, slaves to Pharaoh. They were being tortured, beaten. It was bad. And so the Israelites cried out to God and, and God goes to Moses and uses a normal guy, a normal person, to set his people free. That's what this story is about. And so I want to go over a few things. If we could all just bow our heads and close our eyes, I'm going to close right now. But if we, I just want to just, just listen to what I'm saying as you're sitting there with your head bowed. I want to tell you this, forget qualifications, forget skills, forget your past. God wants to use you right where you're at, just like he used Moses. He wants to use you right where you're at. Your opposition in your life, no matter what it is, is no match for God's power. God wants you to have everything that you need and more. God wants you to rely on him. You were not created to live life without him. God wants to set you free. The Israelites were slaves to Egypt, were slaves to Egypt, and God heard their cries and used a normal man with a little bit of faith to set them free. And you may, able, may be able to look at your life right now, right where you're at, and realize that you too have been a slave. You've been a slave to sin. You've been living in the same season for too long. You've been going through the same struggle for too long, same issues, same failures. You look back and you say, man, I've been a slave to this thing for way too long. And I wanna tell you this morning that God wants to set you free. He wants to set you free so bad. He wants you to be in relationship with him. He wants to use you in a way that you could never imagine. He wants to bless you in a way that you could never imagine. But first, first things first, you gotta get out of Egypt. You gotta get out of your Egypt. You gotta get out of whatever it is you're a slave to. He wants to set you free. And then, then, at that point, you could begin that process of God taking you into that promised land so he can unfold all the amazing things he has for your life, all the amazing plans that he has for your life. So nobody's looking around. Everyone's got their head bowed and their eyes closed. I just wanna ask, is there anybody in this room that you can say, you know what? I've been a slave for, to, this, to this thing in my life for too long. I've been a slave to fear. I've been a slave to sin. I've been a slave to my failures and I wanna be set free from it. If you wanna be set free from that this morning, I want you to just raise your hand. There's nobody looking around. Nobody's looking around. If, you, if, you, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. I've been a slave to this thing for too long. I need God to set me free. I see all those hands. I see all those hands this morning. 
God wants to do something in your life. He wants to change everything for you. He wants to give you a promise like nothing you can ever imagine for yourself. You can be wasting so much time trying to make your own plans for your life, trying to come up with your own way, but God's intentions for you are greater than anything that you could ever think up yourself, anything you could ever do. And all you have to do is just take a step of faith and say, God, use me. God, I'm gonna gonna obey you. I'm gonna pursue you. I wanna be used by you. I wanna be used by you. God wants to set you free this morning. You guys can put those hands down. All right, so what I wanna do is, I want us all to just stand. I'm not even gonna bring, I'm not bringing anybody up here this morning. I I just want us all to stand. There was a lot of hands that went up in this room while you guys had your heads bowed. There's a lot of people in this room that are are, are struggling. They've been slaves to something for too long and they wanna be set free. And I want you to be used by God right now to help them do that. I want you to be used by God to help them do that. I I want you just to begin to pray. You may not know who raised their hand, but I just want you to pray for whoever did in this room that they would be set free from that sin. They'd be set free from those failures. I'm gonna pray. I want you to pray with me. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for everything that you've done in in our lives, Lord. We thank you for having a place, Lord, where we can gather together, Lord God and hear from you. And I pray, Lord God, that as people have heard from you this morning, Lord God, they wanna be set free from their sins, Lord God. They wanna be set free from failures. They're saying, you know what? I'm sick and tired of trying to do things myself. I'm sick and tired of being a slave to this thing, Lord God. Set us free, Lord God. Give us us that promised land, Lord God. Show us that promised land. Begin to put us on the right steps, Lord God. I pray that as we have the faith to take take one step at a time towards the calling you have in our life, Lord God, that you would begin to show us how good you are, how faithful you are to see your word come to pass, Lord God. How graceful you are for the mistakes that we've made in our lives, Lord God. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it, Lord God, but we know you want to be with us, Lord God, and we want to be with you. Lord God, I pray that as we face the hard things in our lives, as we face the opposition, Lord God, that we would learn to rely on you because we were supposed to rely on you. We're not supposed to do the easy things in life. We're not supposed to go the easy way because easy isn't going to change our lives and easy isn't going to change the world. You're not a God who's in the business of doing things the easy way. You do things the hard way because the hard way shows your power, Lord God. And so we know that breaking away from this slavery is not something that's going to be easy. It's something that's going to be hard, but we're going to chip away at it, Lord. We're going to chip away at it one day at a time. And as we do, I pray that your power will begin to exuberate, Lord God, and you begin to show us how easy it is for you to dominate the hard things in our life. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord God, and we thank you, Lord God. We make a declaration of faith saying, you know what? I'm going to, I'm moving towards the promised land and I'm I'm gonna use my my relationship with God to defeat whatever opposition comes my way, Lord God. We know you're with us, Lord God. We know that you're gonna protect us. You're gonna lead us, Lord God. We know you'll do it for us. Lord, we love you in this place. We worship you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. I want you guys to remember something today. If we don't face things that require us to rely on God, how can we learn to rely on God? I wanna encourage everybody in this room before we leave to just be willing to get uncomfortable. Be willing to get uncomfortable. And that would mean coming face to face with the opposing forces in your life. And there's gonna be some. Don't stir away from them. Don't turn away from them. Face them head on with God in your life and watch as those things begin to bow to you because those things are nothing but pray to you when God is working in your life. All right, amen? I love you guys. Thank you for coming this morning. Go home and watch this movie. If you haven't seen it, if you have seen it, go watch it again because it's that good. Thank you for coming this morning. We love you. Have a great rest of your week.